the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's America's favorite gun-toting, Bible-clinging, deplorable American. That's us. That's right. I love this American Starnes. Well, hello, everybody. Hope you're doing well. This is the Todd Starnes Radio Program, noon to 3 Eastern. So honored uh, that you have chosen to hang out with us. And wow, we've got a, a terrific, terrific show lined up for you. A brand new caucus is being formed up on Capitol Hill, the Congressional Family Caucus, and very excited to be talking to some folks from that caucus. Also, uh, we're going to be speaking with Congressman Bob Good from Virginia, member of the House Freedom Caucus, Biden's budget proposal. This thing is off the charts, insane people, and uh, we're going to get the latest from him. But I want to start with the story that we first brought to you, and uh, this is a big story, and we you heard it first here. I think Fox finally picked up on it and a lot of the other conservative networks, but you heard this story here first. It involves a a Christian university in Arizona, Arizona Christian University, and a decision by a local school district to no longer hire or utilize student teachers from Arizona Christian University. And last night, there was a massive school board meeting. We had uh, we had a state senator on yesterday on the show, uh, and we urged everybody listening to us in Arizona to get to that meeting. Let me explain what happened. The crowd at that school board meeting was so massive, they actually had to set up a huge uh, video screen in the parking lot so hundreds more could actually watch the proceedings inside. And uh, people are are just outraged. But the shock was the number of people in the LGBT community who came out in support of the school board. Now, the school board is defending its decision, and now they are doubling down on that decision. The school board in in Arizona, which is, by the way, the largest elementary school district in the state, the Washington Elementary School District, they decided... They would no longer be hiring these student teachers because they didn't want to have people with Christian values working in the school system. And they're open about this. And you're going to be here. You're you're about to hear some audio from these these radical school board members. The school board is made up of five individuals, three of whom happen to be members of the LGBT community. One of them wearing cat ears. It's the most bizarre thing I have ever seen in my life. But anyway, they hate Christians, and they say, and and they make no apologies. And by the way, all of these are young people, so we're talking about millennials who are on the school board. So they've all been radicalized in our public school system. And to the person, they say that it is dangerous for teachers who hold biblical values to be inside a public school classroom. 
Do you believe that, ladies and gentlemen? Do you believe that teachers who are Christian should not be allowed to be in a public school classroom? We're going to be taking your calls on this one today, 844-747-8868, a toll-free telephone number, 844-747-8868. Now, a couple of big developments. You had the big school board meeting last night. Hundreds of people turned out. Alliance Defending Freedom has now announced they have filed a federal lawsuit against the school district, and we're going to be talking to one of their folks later in the show. But I want to go back to this school board gathering, and I want to play some audio. This is the local news coverage of this gathering. Cut 15. A little bit out of hand tonight after two dueling rallies started outside. Those groups were going back and forth after the district decided last month to reject student teachers from a Christian university because of their biblical values. Fox 10's Stephanie Bennett joins us live outside of that meeting with the latest. Stephanie. Yeah, good evening, guys. Both groups very heated tonight. The crowd's going down a little bit, but no stopping this board meeting anytime soon. They actually have a screen here on a TV uh, truck, if you will, that is projecting the board meeting inside. Now, one side fighting for the board members' rights and supporting the decision to get rid of the partnership and supporting LGBTQ students and staff, while the other side was fighting for the Christian University students. Extra security is on hand tonight to keep everything calm. Since our last board, board meeting, she has faced increased death threats, racial attacks, homophobic harassment. Adults are perpetuating bullying. They're perpetuating hatred. Board members of the Washington Elementary School District have received death threats since their unanimous decision last month to cut ties with the Arizona Christian University over the perceived threat that the college students' biblical value system poses to LGBTQ students. For the last 11 years, student teachers from the university have worked in the school district, helping gain invaluable work experience while also alleviating the growing teacher shortage. An institution has policies that are openly bigoted and I will not sit here as a member of the community and let our children be subjected to that. District officials recommended renewing the partnership, but the board members, three of which identify as members of the LGBTQ community, said that having student teachers with biblical values in the state's largest elementary school district is too dangerous. Dozens packed into tonight's board meeting with hundreds waiting and rallying outside from both sides. Those supporting the board members and LGBTQ rights on one side. And, and if you want to, you know, that's your religion, but we have clear separation of church and state in this country. This is even about religion to me. The contract wasn't terminated, it was non-renewed. So the board was voted in by the people, by their constituents. They made a decision, it was a five to zero decision. Um, there shouldn't be a controversy. It's done, it happened, time to move on. While on the other side of the street, those supporting the Christian teachers and religious freedom. The university has since filed a lawsuit against the elementary school district and its board members. We, we need teachers. We need, the teachers need help doing, with their kids and stuff. Why not? Why not get this? What's wrong with this? Yeah, and the president of the university says more than 100 students have served the district. 25 were hired full-time by the district after they graduated. And in a statement to Fox 10, the Washington Elementary School District says that they have been served the lawsuit. They acknowledged that, but they have not yet reviewed it. All right, that was the local reporting, uh, pretty much backing up what we've been telling you for the past uh, several days now.
here's here's the concern I have is that there were just as many LGBT activists out there as there were Christians. And the LGBT activists are siding with the school board. They say that Christians have no right to be teaching inside a public school classroom. As a matter of fact, the president of the school board, uh, talking to KATU television, said that the classrooms, public schools, are secular institutions. They say they are not banning any particular faith-based organization, but they will only work with faith-based organizations that are committed to equity and inclusion. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. You folks at Liberty University, many of you folks have done your student teaching work in Lynchburg. What if the Lynchburg City Council woke up one day and decided, you know what, we, we don't want to have any Christians working in our public school system. The same thing could happen to you folks in in Jackson, Tennessee, at at Union University, or right outside of Chattanooga at Lee University. Great Christian schools churning out incredible, incredible teachers. But they could be denied jobs if, in fact, they profess faith in Jesus Christ. Now, here's the curious thing. We have a lot of – I know we have a large and very diverse audience – we have Christians and atheists. We have uh, Jews and Gentiles. We have people who are conservative, people who are liberal, people who are, are, are straight, people who are gay. What I'm curious about, where is where are all the conservative gay folks out there? Why are they not rising up in outrage over this? Where is the, the, the gay community at large? Because right now they are siding with the school board, and the school board is doubling down. And they're saying, you know what? We, we do not want Christians in our public schools. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the hill to die on. This is the, this is the moment where you have to stand up and you have to fight back. And I'm glad to see people standing up and fighting back, but I am really surprised by the numbers of people who came out and said, yeah, we don't have a problem with this. We think that's a good idea. Christians have no right to be in public school classrooms as teachers. Well, what say you, ladies and gentlemen? 844-747-8868. That's our toll-free telephone number. By the way, this is Open Line Friday, and that means you can really talk about whatever you would like to talk about, but I'm curious to get your take on this story out of Arizona, because if they are successful in keeping these Christians out of the classroom, this is going to happen in other school boards around the nation. This is the Todd Stern Show. All right, folks, welcome back to the Todd Stearns Radio Program. I know it really is sad that these student teachers, these kids, good, solid kids at Arizona Christian University, now have to make a decision. Do they serve God or do they they serve the government? Do they choose their faith? Do they choose their career? And they should not have to face that decision in America. I mean, that's not who we are. But the the radical LGBT, you know, I can't even call them radicals anymore because not a single gay person in Arizona is standing up for these folks. So it's the entire community over there. 
I, I wish there were people out there in the LGBT community who actually believed in diversity and tolerance and equality. But clearly they do not. And that's unfortunate. All right, I've got to share this story with you from Boston. This is from Boston.com. There is a school district in New Hampshire facing some controversy. There was a teacher at an elementary school who is a cross-dresser. This is a man, 260 pounds, 6 foot 4 according to boston.com. He's got uh, he's 260 pounds, 6 foot 4, has a beard and wears ladies clothes in the classroom. According to parents, the teacher dances like a clown, sashays around the classroom and sings. He's an art teacher. The guy's not a choral leader, so that's kind of confusing for the children and for the parents. So anyway, the school district's defending this guy. They say, well, you know, the guy has a right to be who he wants to be, and if the man wants to wear ladies' underpants, he's allowed to do that under the rules. So one of the fathers showed up at the school board meeting the other day dressed as Julius Caesar in full regalia. Take a listen. I am Caesar. Julius Caesar of Rome, the emperor. I am also a female. Does anybody here believe that? That I am Julius Caesar? Anybody believe that? No? Of course not. It's ridiculous. I'm not Caesar. I'm not a woman either. I'm here as a father. And and this father was very alarmed at what was happening in the classroom. So guess what the local newspaper did? Instead of uh, going after the teacher here and f- trying to figure out what the heck was going on, they did an investigation of the father. And they determined that, you know, years ago he had a criminal record. And so they're writing all this stuff. They're literally attacking the father for, for daring to speak out and complain. And that's what the media does, by the way. They're going to go after the Christians. They're going to go after the conservatives. Unbelievable. <laughs> By the way, I mean, he was dressed in full regalia, looked just like Julius Caesar. So there you go. All right, 844-747-8868. That's our toll-free telephone number. That's 844-747-8868. President Biden uh, thinks all you parents uh, go to McDonald's for Internet access, cut number 18. We're delivering high-speed Internet to every home in America, so no parent has to drive up to the McDonald's parking lot to help do their homework with their kid because they can't get on the Internet. Every single person is going to be able to do that. All right, is that true? Are people really doing that in mass? Are people really going to McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and sitting down at the tables or sitting in the parking lot and using their Internet, their Wi-Fi, so the kids can do homework. Is that really happening? I've heard Biden say this over and over and over and over and over again. I have yet to see anybody at the Chick-fil-A sitting in the parking lot with the kids in the back seat doing homework. And I've been to a lot of Chick-fil-A's in my time. I've never I've I've even been to McDonald's a time or two or three or, or four, and I have yet to see anybody in the parking lots doing homework and using the Wi-Fi. I, I don't believe it. I'm calling BS on the president here on this one. Oh, by the way, the squawking magpies over at The View, 
they're weighing in now on the drag queen controversy. Folks, this is just, it's so insane, but I want you to hear what they're talking about. Cut 17, please. We have to protect trans kids' lives. We have to protect trans children, the trans community, the non-binary community, the gender non-conforming community. I don't know why they're trying to outlaw these bathrooms again. Don't outlaw, don't outlaw bathrooms. When you outlaw a bathroom for somebody, you outlaw their humanity. Yeah. You know, that is not, it's not, I have um, kidney stones and IBS, so it's serious. Like, this is real. Yeah. Like, don't outlaw the bathroom. Like, how, how are we doing this? I mean, it's, it's so upsetting to me. Yeah. So this is just one of the things, but there's so many, like, different things about it, whether it's trans lives, whether it's drag queens. Yeah. That yeah. is so infuriating. I mean, if it's Christian, Christ himself is wearing a long dress and a duster from Chico's. <laughs> like, if you look in the Bible, true. him and the apostles all went to Chico's and they all got the same yeah. B. Arthur yeah. sets. <laughs> It is a Golden Girls special. They're all wearing yes. the duster. That's true. <laughs> no lies detected. And the long Golden hair and the girls special. The long yeah. hair. I love it. It's I love it. So many things. So, so they're they're insinuating, and in case you missed the if you, in case you missed the nuance there, uh, gay people love the Golden Girls, right? It's kind of like a shtick. It's a thing. It's that's their. So they're implying that Jesus and the disciples were drag queens. That, that's that's what that was all about. No, I, I'm not making it up. That that's what they you just heard the gals on the View compare Jesus and the disciples to drag queens. So there there really is this deification of the, of the drag community now, and you have to bow down and worship. There are a lot of people coming under fire here in Tennessee. We've become ground zero for this drag drag queen. It's it, look. It was one thing we had to open up the public libraries. Now all the public libraries are gay nightclubs. Where the, the you bring your four year old and they can cavort with the, the men dressed in the uh, in the women's garb, but it's beyond that now because now you have to let the the four and five year olds into your adult establishment so they can drop dollar bills into the crotches of these men, and if you dare say anything about that, well, all of a sudden you're a homophobe, you're a bigot, you're a hater, right? So this is where we are in, in the nation right now. And Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin was asked about this at a CNN town hall. We're going to get to that in, in a little while because I have a lot to say about Glenn Youngkin. But there's some weird stuff going on in this country. And a lot of the perversion is happening in our public school classrooms where Jesus is not allowed, the Christian flag is not allowed, But the rainbow flag is flying high. Got to take a break. 844-747-8868. We're going to get to your calls. Hang tight. That's 844-747-8868. All right, you beautiful people. Welcome back to the Todd Stearns Radio Program. Let's go right to the phones here, 844-747-8868. Martin in in, uh, Las Vegas wants to weigh in on this school district issue. Hi, Martin. What's on your mind? Well, we've talked before, uh, Todd. I'm a Catholic, uh, but the the emphasis that you're giving these uh, people is not not warranted at all. They're, They're 
corrupt if they're corrupt. It starts in the college system. It starts in the high school system. They go to uh, colleges to get educated, which are supported by uh, uh, don't well often the government. And uh, the point is, if we don't concentrate on the uh, the uh, non secular schools like uh, like Liberty, so forth and so on, we're missing the boat because it's not going to happen in the public school system. We can't have teachers going to public school systems. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. When they could go to Catholic or, uh, 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 you know, uh, evangelical colleges in, in the South or wherever it is, they could get jobs. The point is you're, you're, you're stressing this public school system as a last resort. It is not the last resort. We should emphasize the, the, uh, the parochial systems that will hire teachers and enlarge the capacity for more Catholic and uh, uh, Protestant uh, universities, colleges, et cetera, high schools. Martin, well, let me jump in here because I think I've been pretty, I've been pretty vocal about this on the show for years. I believe that, um, and in this order, you should be homeschooling your kid. If you can't homeschool your kid, get your kid into a good private Christian school, whether that's a, a Catholic school, whether it's a you know a Protestant school. Um, I think that public education should be the, the the avenue of last resort. Well, you're right about that, and uh, but I think uh, you know that should be the emphasis from now on. We're having trouble uh, putting kids uh, with their their blank, basically blank uh, heads filled with ideas that are corrupt, and uh, you know, like the drag queens. That's nonsense. There was a drag show in San Francisco for years, but it was a joke. It was called Finocchio's. It was in San Francisco. People went to it for laughs. They didn't go to see drag queens to uh, educate their children. Uh, you know, uh, this is, the, this is the, the bizarre. It's just bizarre. It is bizarre, Martin. And we are there's something very radical and very nefarious going on with all of this. And uh, people need to wake up and, and understand what's happening because a lot of it is happening in the classrooms. Martin, got to run. Appreciate that call. Love all of our great listeners on the Nevada Talk Network. Let's go to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line real quick. Uh, talk to our good friend from the Commonwealth of Virginia, Congressman Bob Good. Uh, Congressman, good to have you with us today. Hello, Congressman. Hello, Todd. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. All right. Likewise. Uh, Congressman, let's just jump right in here. Um, The House Freedom Caucus holding a big big press conference earlier this morning. Uh, what, What do you guys have on your mind? Well, it was in part response to the president rolling out his $6.9 trillion budget yesterday. He wants to throw gasoline on the raging fiscal fire of, you know, $32 trillion national debt's not enough for him. 
trillion dollar deficits are not enough for him. So he projects a 6.9, proposes a $6.9 trillion budget, largest budget in the history of the country, greatest increase in spending in the history of the country, projects a $2 trillion deficit. Uh, it's a, literally a 56% increase over four years ago pre-COVID spending uh, at a time when the pandemic is over, of course. And it's, it's uh, dead on arrival, of course. We're not going to take that up. It's literally $20,000 per American citizen when you take $6.9 trillion and you d- divide that by roughly 340 million American citizens. It's just over $20,000 per citizen or, say, a, a household of two and a half average. Then that would be uh, approximately $50,000 per household. No American would vote for that, of course. So we don't have the money, and we're not going to do that. But secondly, his policies are harming the country. So the House Freedom Caucus, we've been working on this for for several weeks, as you know. And we went ahead and held a press conference today and did a release on what our spending plan is, which has immediate cuts and then longer-term spending reforms. And uh, it really attacks the woke and weaponized federal government, the bureaucracy that's harming the American people. And uh, and I'd be glad to drill down a little bit in some details with you. If you well, like. yeah. Well, first, I want to I want to address some of the things you just said, um, because it seems to me the president is just clearly unserious about about this. Uh, here we are having a, a raging battle right now over whether or not the debt ceiling is going to get raised. And then the president hands down a budget, which is just simply not sustainable. No question. There's, it's not a question of if we're going to cut spending this year. It's how much we're going to cut spending, what kind of spending that we're going to cut, how far we're going to go, and how united we can keep the Republican Party towards that, uh, how far we can go together. Speaker McCarthy and the Republicans are united that we're going to cut spending. It's just a question of how much. We made history two months ago with you know, fighting against uh, the status quo from a leadership standpoint and putting reforms in place, changing how Congress works. We're going to make history again, Todd, where we haven't cut spending meaningful basis in decades in this town, and we're going to do it here in 2023. We're going to do it in 2024. That's the only thing that – the most important thing is not the long-term – projections and plans for how we're going to balance in 10 years or however many years. That's important. That's a framework. That's an aspirational thing. What matters is this year and next year, real cuts, meaningful cuts that uh, make a dent in the national debt and in the deficit, I should say, specifically. And we're going to do that. One of the things I really appreciate about, about your plan is to actually embrace the Bill Clinton era work requirements on welfare. Yeah. I think for me, and we're going to get to that in a second, but Congressman, just imagine how far the Democrat Party has moved to the left when they were the ones who actually embraced these ideas of, hey, you got to, you know, if you're going to get on welfare, you got you got to show us you're, you're out there trying to get a job. No question. There's, there are three million less Americans working today than there were when Biden became president. Uh, and then not only is it costing us, we're, we're estimating we're going to be able to save about $30 billion a year on the spending side by having able-bodied Americans return to work. So not only is there an economic uh, budgetary savings there, but it will fuel the economy. 
job creators, employers, and businesses cannot increase productivity, cannot invest in their businesses the way they want to in terms of you know, growing that business without workers. And so there's a, there's a cultural component to it. There's a moral virtue that's part of work. We're hurting our country or hurting our society. We're also, again, we're spending money to provide federal subsistence to people who are able to work, but then also we're holding back our economy. This president is projecting to continue like the anemic 1% economic growth. We got to get back to Trump's pro-growth policies, 3 to 4% growth, which means cutting the regulations again instead of increasing them. It means keeping Trump's tax cuts in place and, and cutting taxes even more. It means getting Americans back to work, as you've just noted there. Uh, and it means unleashing American energy again. All those are critical to getting the economy churning again, which will mean we can get to fiscal balance more quickly than we can. We're just trying to cut our way there alone. So we got to cut the spending, no question. But we all got, also got to get Americans back to work, get the economy going again. Uh, Congressman Bob Good on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. Congressman, you mentioned woke spending. Give us an idea of some of the wokeness that you guys are, are tackling here. Well, in the short run, we want to uh, address the, the, the there's $100 billion in unspent uh, COVID money that's still just sitting in the federal treasury, hasn't been allocated, hasn't been spent yet. We're going to claw that back. We want to claw back the $80 billion allocated to fund the 87,000 new IRS agents, which we don't need. You know, the poor, lower income and middle income Americans are audited about five times that of wealthy Americans. There's not enough billionaires and and millionaires to keep the, these 87,000 IRS agents uh, busy. We don't want them harassing, threatening, intimidating regular Americans. So we're going to we're going to rescind the 80 billion dollars there. There's a few hundred billion, few hundred billion dollars of green climate, environmental, raw, green raw deal stuff from the the phony infrastructure bill, from the phony uh, inflation increase bill, as well as the omnibus spending bill. We're going after that in this bill, but then. Also, when we were going to cut the spending back to the 2019 levels in non-discretionary, I'm sorry, in discretionary non-defense spending, which will save about $150 billion a year. But what that will force is our appropriators to look at each department, each agency, each part of the bureaucracy and say, okay, where are we going to cut? And we're going to try to force them to cut the wokiness that's in the diversity, equity, and inclusion, the environment, climate, climate extremism, and the stuff that just isn't justified for us to be borrowing money, to, whether it's to send it overseas or to do things that the American people just don't want us to do. All right, good stuff. Well, Congressman, uh, we appreciate the update. And uh, just, again, unserious, insane. The, the administration's out of their minds here. And we're, like you said, I'm glad to hear you say it, dead on arrival. Congressman, thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Todd. You as well. All right, Congressman Bob Good, everybody. Jeez, Alou. What? Unbelievable. All right, 844-747-8868. That is our toll-free telephone number. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Charles in North Carolina wants to weigh in on this school board controversy out of Arizona. Hey, Charles, what's on your mind? What's your take? Hey, Todd, I bet you never thought we'd be having this discussion about this topic, would you? <laughs> well. It's hard to believe into this. <laughs> But, no, Todd, what I'd like to talk about is um, I think this whole thing goes back to – it all goes back to separation of church and state, right? People always bring that up. You know, Christians can't be in schools. They can't teach Christian values and things like that. And they always reference the First Amendment, you know, is a separation of church and state, which it doesn't say that. But I would just like to submit that there is a document that – 
outright encourages religion and morality that most people don't even know about. And I wish somebody would bring to the attention of these school boards. And uh, Todd, that document was ratified in 1787, two months before the United States Constitution, uh, and it's called the Northwest Ordinance. And in the Northwest Ordinance, and this is the same Congress that passed the Constitution, it specifically says, and I'll read it to you, religion, morality, and knowledge be necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind, schools, and the means of education shall forever be encouraged. So that right there, Todd, is our own government saying and stating that they believe that religion should be in schools and be encouraged. And what religion is that? It's the Judeo-Christian religion. And so I think uh, not only should Christian teachers be hired, but I think we need to start uh, possibly teaching, you know, religious values and Bible classes in public schools. I don't see anything uh, wrong or unconstitutional about that. And well, well, no, Charles. I mean, go back to go back to John Adams, our second president, who said our Constitution is wholly inadequate for anyone other than a moral and religious people. So, if if we suddenly wake up one day and we are a secular nation, our way of life, our founding documents are not going to be able to work effectively. Correct. Yeah. So, what do you think would happen if? Uh, if, if a school district tried to implement what, I, what I'm talking about there, if they just said, you know what, we're going we're we're gonna, to we're gonna have Bible classes in public schools, and there's, not, there's nothing unconstitutional about what we're doing. And not, and it well, I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you real quick what I think would happen. I think that you would, get, you would get peace in the school district and the community at large. You would see children who are more well-behaved. You would see children who are more academically successful. And I think that you would see a community at large that would be a whole heck of a lot better off than where they where they were when the school was secular. Exactly. And that's the way schools used to be. I mean, I remember going to school probably just like you do. We would open up the, the classroom in public schools with a devotional. Uh, we would uh, say a prayer. And we talked about biblical values that was incorporated into the curriculum. And uh, I, I just like... Just like you said, Todd, I think if we go back to that, our society and country is going to be much better off. Uh, I just wish the school board would have uh, the guts just to do it and don't worry about the, the blowback from this these wackos that are out there you know, trying to uh, hijack our, our kids and everything. Well, unfortunately, the wackos are on the school boards now, and, and they're in charge, and we're going to have to do something about that. They, they need to recall every single one of those folks. Charles, appreciate that call. But here we are, going back to that Arizona story, folks, where teachers, and it's not even a matter of, of teachers using their classroom for proselytizing. That's, that has never happened in the 11 years they've had this relationship. This is a matter of the morality of these individuals. And you're going to have a school district in Arizona that will now ask teachers, are you now or have you ever been a follower of Christ? And if you have, you're not going to be able to get a job there. It's that simple. All right, got to take a break. 844-747-8868. This is the Todd Stern Show. All right, Lauren Boebert, the congresswoman from Colorado, making some headlines. She was... 
honored by Moms for America. She received a Mother of Influence Award uh, during CPAC's Women's Breakfast, by the way, and uh, just announced that she's going to be a a grandmother. No, I'm not making this up. She's going to be a 36-year-old grandmother. So Lauren Bobert's um, 17-year-old son has apparently uh, gotten a girl pregnant. <laughs> so I don't know why people feel compelled to share this news with the general public. I don't know. I really don't. I understand that the left probably would have found out and they would have done a big expose. Maybe she's just getting ahead of the story. But um, there you go. I wonder if he's going to – is the kid going to marry the girl who he got pregnant? You know, back in the day, that's how it used to work, right? Get a girl pregnant, you got to go marry the girl. Make an honest woman out of her. That's that's what they used to say. Don't don't come hollering at me being sexist. That's just what they used to say. Anyway, all right, Grandma Bobert, good luck to you there. Let's go back to the phones. OG in North Carolina. OG in the NC. What's on your mind? Good afternoon, sir. Uh, OG is the old geezer on the crystal coast of North Carolina. Uh, 65 years of federal service and could not run for political office because of the Hatch Act. However, I could fill an unexpired term on a 6-12 to 12 Board of Education. Boy, was that an education for me. It was brutal. Um, I saw this whole process get started. Let's go back into the 80s. I saw that whole uh, you know, lack of common sense, um, hate the Christians process get started way back in the 80s. So you're not surprised uh, by this, OG? Absolutely not. Um, and, you know, and, and I will confess, I regret, totally regret, that I did not properly prepare my two sons and two grandchildren to be prepared to uh, you know, understand how corrosive uh, this whole process is to their lives and even their lives of their children and grandchildren. Um, and I see it all the time. Um, well, OG, I'm, I'm still having... Yeah, I hate to do this. We are running out of time here on this segment, but I want you to give us a call back one of these days. Uh, you don't sound like an OG to me, an old geezer to me. You sound like a young guy with some good ideas that we need to hear about, and I'm intrigued by your time on the school board. So you give us a call back one of these days. Please do that. Folks, we've got to take a quick break. We're going to catch up on the uh, top of the hour news. We'll be back. This is the Todd Starnes Radio Show. From the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's common sense conservative commentary from Todd Starnes. That's us, that's right, I love this American ride. Well, you know, a lot of people are in their American ride uh, today, heading off to spring break. I think just the entire city of Memphis has evacuated to the Redneck Riviera, so I... We may be the only people left here in the Mid-South as uh, folks head down to warmer climates 
and the beautiful white sandy beaches of the of the Gulf Coast. Welcome, everybody. Todd Stearns here with you. Uh, so glad that you have joined us. And, of course, we love all of our listeners, no matter if you're in the Redneck Riviera or if you're in Redneck Vegas, which is Dollywood Pigeon Forge. I was reading a very interesting article in the Washington Times. The headline, Democrats Continue to Buy Black Votes. Well, the writer of that uh, article joins us on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line today, Cheryl Chumley. And Cheryl, always good to have you on the program. Todd, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. So I'm really intrigued by this uh, story. Uh, Here in the Memphis area where I am from and our show originates, uh, they are actually using uh, COVID money to the tune of $5 million to actually study a reparations plan that would put cash into the hands of black citizens. But it, it, it pales in comparison to what's happening in California right now. Yeah, it does. California really has uh, seized the day on this one. They're considering $640 billion uh, a package for reparations, which would amount to about $360,000 per eligible uh, black resident in the state. And what's really interesting about California is, for those who know their history, California entered the Union as a free state. Uh, there were discussions in Congress over uh, slavery, and finally they signed, the, the California delegate signed the Compromise of 1850, guaranteeing that the state would remain a free state. So for California to get into the reparations game, it's a little bit mind-boggling. Do we have any idea where they're getting this $640 billion from? Well, you know it's going to be taxpayers. Oh, that's sure. Not, that's not exactly front and center in discussions, but where else are they going to get it? I don't think that uh, a Bill Gates or George Soros-type philanthropist is going to come through and supply the money. I'm curious to know if Oprah's going to get her check. <laughs> right? <laughs> You know, slavery in America is a very sad historical truth, right? But you have to question what what would reparations do? If, If the idea is to keep America as a melting pot and the idea is to do as Joe Biden promised so many times on the campaign trail to unify, reparations to me seem to fall flat. I don't see how that's going to soothe over any type of racial tensions. It may make some recipients of those tax dollars feel pretty good for a while, but I don't see how it's going to bring people together in America. No, I don't either. And I know here in here in the Memphis area, during this commission meeting, you actually had, and Memphis, by the way, is a, is a majority black city, you had a, a black commissioner say that the the skin color of the white commissioners was a triggering thing for her that she was triggered by the commissioner's whiteness and i think a lot of a lot of white lawmakers out there get horrified and terrified whenever someone throws around the race card and i don't think they ought to be no, they, and you know the the Democrats have been throwing the race card out with great success, with alarming frequency. Right? If you go back in time, under Barack Obama, really things heated up at a time in America where it would be most unlikely to make the argument that America was inherently racist because Obama was brought into the White House by a large 
satisfaction of white voters. That's the time in America where race relations in recent decades have really heated up. And you can only conclude that it's by strategy, it's by strategic design of the Democrats, because they love to divide America into little factions that they can then swoop in and conquer and pretend to be the savior. And again, I go back to this 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 whole reasoning behind reparations. It doesn't make any sense to me, Cheryl. Uh, when you go back and look at history in the Reconstruction Era South, you had the Freedmen's Bureau that was specifically set up to assist in that economic transition away from slavery. Uh, the the infamous forty acres and a mule. So my so again, I'm not understanding if if that in fact was the reparation back then. Why are the descendants of slaves entitled to anything? And why only some um, some people uh, targeted for for racism and for slavery. Slavery ended in the United States in 1865, but in West Africa, it didn't formally come to an end until 1875. So why is it just America? Why is it just white people in America who are the devils here? If we're going to talk about reparations, shouldn't we talk about reparations uh, irregardless of race? It, it, that is a great point. I, I was watching a, a movie a couple of weeks ago, The, the Woman King, uh, which uh, it was a fascinating movie about the, the African tribes and the original Amazon women. And I was very intrigued by how they covered and, and they, I, you know, they didn't pull any punches. It was very clear that black tribes sold their enemies into slavery. Uh, that's where the the slave trade originated, and to your point, why are we not focusing on getting reparations from those African nations? Why the United States? Well, the, and the answer to that is exactly what I wrote in the headline. Democrats use this issue to buy votes. Uh, for a comparison, what they're doing with reparations is what they have done and are continuing to do with, say, the student loan forgiveness program, right? They know full well it's going to be challenged, but they can go out there and they can campaign on free giveaways to a, uh important voting block for the Democrats. And when it gets to court, whether they win or lose, Democrats win the day. They can go down uh, losing in court, but still claiming the righteous cause, uh, that they're the savior of these young people. Or if they win, even better, because it's tax dollars that doesn't come out of their pocket. Now look at reparations. It's the same sort of thing. They have nothing to lose by campaigning on that issue, knowing full well it'll go to court. They may or may not lose, but politically speaking, PR speaking, Democrats can claim a win. It's it's a fascinating column you wrote, Cheryl, and very important because, again, these issues, when you have super majorities of Democrats controlling your state, much like California does, uh, these things become a reality. So unbelievable. Uh, go ahead, Cheryl. Oh, I, I was just going to say yes, and it, it's a shame because at this point in American time, we should be moved past this, right? We we have overcome so much as a nation, and there's so much to celebrate in terms of liberty and individual God-given rights that should join us together and transcend skin color, and yet we're just going backwards on that. That's it. All right, Cheryl, great work. And uh, folks, we have a direct link to her column or on our website, or you can go to Washington Times and check out... Uh, all of the great opinions. Cheryl Chumley, opinions editor for The Washington Times. Cheryl, have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Wow. Unbe- <laughs> Just unbelievable. I Here's my take. Uh, when this becomes reality in California, 
and $640 billion that they would pay black residents, $360,000 a person. I think just for the sake of of doing the right thing and helping the less fortunate, I think Oprah, Chris Rock, Will Smith, they need to be at the front of the line because what this country has done to them is an atrocity. The, the, the fact that we have made folks like Oprah and Will Smith multi-bazillionaires many times over that have dozens of homes, vacation spots, shame on us. Shame on us, America. How dare we? And if that's not bad enough, I bring you this story from the pages of the Los Angeles Slimes. The Los Angeles Slimes is reporting that all of you white people in Los Angeles are polluting the breathing air of people of color. I wish I could say I'm making this up, but I am not making this up, ladies and gentlemen. Sammy Roth, the L.A. Times writer, says that many, many minorities in Los Angeles are suffering from environmental racism, and he's blaming white and affluent commuters in the Los Angeles area. Mr. Roth says that Los Angeles residents who drive more tend to be exposed to less air pollution. And he's saying that all of you white people out there in Los Angeles and Hollywood, in Palmdale and Lancaster, all you white folks that are driving around Los Angeles in your cars, your vehicles, are committing acts of racism. Because you commute to work through lower-income black and Latino neighborhoods. Folks, (laughs) sometimes you just want to smile and chuckle and tell these morons to blow it out their tailpipe. Got to take a break. 844-747-8868. This is Open Line Friday, by the way. Whatever you want to talk about, we're going to talk about today. 844-747-8868. This is The Todd Stern Show. Have you signed up for the big trip coming up this this autumn, this fall? We're taking a hundred of our great listeners to the Holy Land for a Stand with Israel tour. Folks, this is going to be a first-class journey, and it will be a once-in-a-lifetime trip. And I would be honored if you and your family joined me and the Stearns family as as we tour the Holy Land together. Now, if you would like information, you can do it one of two ways. You can go to toddsterns.com, and at the very top of the page, all the information is there. Or you can give us a call, 844-747-8868. Again, 844-747-8868. And Dylan will take all of your information. But again, we would love for you to join us. We're taking 100. We want to make it a manageable group, and uh, we, it's, it's a very intimate thing as well. And I will be there and the way we do these trips, we don't have the um, we don't have the celebrities on one bus and uh, the folks on the other. No, it's all of us together. So I would love to be able to spend time with you and your family as we visit the Holy Land. All right, let's get to the phone lines here. Eight four four seven four seven eighty eight sixty eight. I want to go to Tom in Georgia. WDUN, our great affiliate there. Hi, Tom. What's on your mind today? Hey, Todd. Um- well, my first point is, I have second time for a second, but the first point is, for you and everybody listening, does anyone out there believe 
that a government that lies to the people and hides from the people the taxes the truth about the origins on vaccines for COVID-19, the Russian collusion hoax, and intimidates the people and controls free speech on social media, that that government is not totally willing and capable of election rigging, cheating, and fixing. Is there anybody out there that believes that? It's a great question. Secondly, you were just talking about California and pollution and environmental whatever if i get this project done todd would you write a forward for me for my upcoming book called fear of feces a walking guide to san francisco and other great american cities <laughs> tom that that sounds like one heck of a book a page turner if i've ever heard of one <laughs> well yeah i don't know what you're going to use the pages for but well, <laughs> maybe maybe somebody out there on the streets can find a use for them. Well, you just make sure they're extra soft, Tom. Extra there you soft. go. Charmin. There you go. Charmin, help me write it. <laughs> Tom, appreciate the call. Thanks for listening to us. Oh, that's very clever. 844-747-8868 is our toll-free telephone number. Let's go to Don in Iowa. Hi, Don. What's on your mind today? Oh, I guess I just got a question for you. All right. Um. Of course, we all know that uh, DirecTV has dropped Newsmax. Now, AT&T is in the, also in the Internet business. Now, did they block a, did they block Newsmax from their Internet, too? Well, Don, that's a great question. I don't have AT&T um, wireless service, so I can't, I can't answer that. But if someone out there does, uh, give us a call. Let us know. Because... Uh, I've been watching. Well, I still I get Newsmax, but I've been getting it off the computer. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. I mean, I access Newsmax every day, and I also use the Newsmax app, and it seems to work fine just for me. So yeah, I. I well, if someone if someone out there has ATT service done, I can promise you they'll call in and let us know. We have a great audience out there. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I need to know. Well, Don, appreciate you calling in. That's what we are here for. Again, our telephone number, 844-747-8868. May I just say something about Colin Kaepernick for for just a moment? Is that is that okay? So I I had a chance to think about this last night. And and this guy, who does he think he is? Colin Kaepernick. So here's a guy that was born to a white mother, gave him up when he was five weeks old. Along come Teresa and Rick Kaepernick, a white couple. They already had two kids of their own, and they said, we want to adopt this little boy. And they raised this child. They raised him right. They raised him in a good, solid home, got an education, became, and they, they set him up with whatever he needed to be a success in life. And how does he repay that? He literally is smearing his adoptive parents simply because of their skin color. Now, Kaepernick has written this graphic novel, and he says that his parents perpetuated racism. And he specifically remembers a moment when his mom took issue with his hairstyle. He was wearing cornrows, and she said that he he looked like a little thug, and it was not a professional look. 
Now, I grew up in the 1980s, and I can tell you that when I was a teenager, my mom did not appreciate some of my choices in fashion or hair. Back in the day, I got to t- I, I used to always part it on the side, the hair. But when the 80s came, well, you know what happened, folks. Yep, that part went right down the middle. Got that feathered look. Oh, I look good. And then you had the Izod shirts, right? And you had the uh, the Nike shoes were just coming out. And they only had one kind. It was the leather, white leather with the blue swoosh. I think they had red too, but everybody wanted the blue. And then you had the sweater vest. You know, you had to wrap the sweater around your neck because that made you look cool. And then along came parachute pants. And that was very unfortunate. But you know what? It was cool. It was the style. And, of course, our mothers at the time said we all look like idiots. Did that make them insensitive or racist? No, it made them moms. So I'm not quite sure I see where the racism is here. And she was just she was giving her opinion as a mother. But anyway, I got to thinking about this. And I'm wondering deep down inside if Colin Kaepernick actually regrets that his birth mother is, in fact, a white woman. Because he said in in this graphic novel that he was he was all about embracing his his blackness, and he was very troubled about having to grow up in a predominantly white family and a white community. I mean, come on now. I mean, look, it's one thing to disrespect the American flag, but dude, you're going to disrespect your mother. What kind of a creep does that? I mean, they gave this guy everything, everything. And this is what he does. He smears him as racist. I, I, I feel bad for. By the way, they stood by him even during the American flag non stuff. That, that's crazy. And he turns his back on him simply because they're white. Go figure. 844-747-8868. That's our toll-free telephone number. What was the song? Jesus loves all the children of the world. I guess even the ungrateful, obstinate ones like Colin Kaepernick. We'll be right back, America. All right, welcome back to the Todd Starts Radio Program. So happy to... Yeah, no, I did say blow it out your tailpipe. I did. I did. It's Friday, folks. What do you want me to do? All right, let's go to the phones here. A lot of you wanting to weigh in. I want to start in Iowa. Jackson is on the line. Hi, Jackson. I know you want to talk about Mr. Rogers. <laughs> That's right, Todd. Have you... Are you... Uh, could you play what I... If I tell you something what Mr. Rogers said, would you be able to play it to the audience? I think we might be able to. What is it? Well, he says, boys should be boys and girls should be girls. It's called everybody's fancy. Everybody's fancy. Would you do that, Todd? Well, Jackson, you know what? We we aim to please here on the Todd Stearns Radio Show. Let's take a listen. Boys are boys from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Girls are girls right from the start. Everybody's fancy, everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. There you go, Jackson. How do you, we're, we're working on the key change now, but isn't that that's a nice little song? And he also sings that girls should be mommies. Keep it up; it's got more on it. Oh, I know, I know, it does. It's and and boys should be dad. Look, Jackson, I've never heard such a more transphobic song in all my life. <laughs> You know, uh, he was a wonderful guy. He's so missed, Mr. Rogers. I mean, he'd probably be spinning in his grave right now. 
Probably so. And, and Jackson, I know the left really tried to warp who he was and what he stood for. But I think in his heart, he really was uh, just a, he was a, an American, not, not really conservative or liberal. But if you had to paint him as someone, I would say he would have been a conservative. And I can't think of anybody better to sit in front of a TV, your little children listening to him, because he made you feel so good and soothed. Mm, Anybody yeah. that watched him, you felt good. We try to do that here on this program, Jackson, but we trigger far too many people. But <laughs> yeah, it is what it out, is. Blow it out, Todd. <laughs> blow it out the tailpipe. <laughs> All right, Jackson, thank you for that. Thank and uh, that, you, is, that is a fun little song there. All right, I want to go to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. Honored to have with us Congressman Brian Babin from Texas. And, Congressman, you guys have been busy starting a brand-new caucus up on Capitol Hill. Hope you're doing good today. Yes, sir, Todd. Great to be with you. And uh, we have started this uh, brand new Congressional Family Caucus. Well, I, you know, we just played the Mr. Rogers song, um, reminding children and reminding people that boys are boys and girls are girls. A very simple message that has created a lot of controversy these days, but it goes back to the heart of what it means to be a family. You couldn't say it better. I, I'll tell you, it's isn't it isn't it amazing that we're having to sit here and talk about, uh, you know, even even the very subject that uh, we have different pronouns and and twenty and thirty different genders and kids belong to the to the state rather than their families, uh, and that uh, we we're being taken down this primrose path a path by the the radical woke left. They, they call it traditional family, natural family, but it's a man and a woman coming together ordained by God. And, and, and I think, you know, it's important that we remember that in spite of all the efforts by the left and by even some in our own political party, Congressman, to really redefine what a family is. Yeah, I worry about that as well, Todd, because as you just said, the natural family, a man and a woman committed for life to each other and also to their kids, to their children. And it was ordained by God, and it's been around for thousands and thousands of years. And some wokester that wants to come along and change what God has made and ordained, I don't think so. We've got to push back, and we've got to push back extremely hard, stand up for what we believe in, because too many conservatives are too timid to actually get out in the forum and express their views on the uh, you know on, on what's happening to our to our society the depravity the perversion uh, you know the the destruction of, of of societal mores that we learn from our Bible from our you know our schools from our parents and uh, sadly the schools are teaching this less and less in fact many schools they are outlawed they've outlawed. Uh, you know, uh, any discussion of God. Well, and then we, we were just telling, uh, the, the sharing the news of the Arizona School District controlled by the LGBT board members that have ref, will no longer allow student teachers from Arizona Christian University from working in the school district because of their biblical values. I mean, this is a, a real-time thing that's happening as you guys launch this caucus. You know what, Todd? And, and we this, these are the kind. Of, this is the dogma that we've been putting up with for many years. But really, especially uh, in the last just few years uh, since Barack Obama was president, this is this is when it when it really turned the corner and came, started coming at us hard. 
but nothing like we're seeing under the under the Biden administration. And uh, you know what? Our pulpits, our preachers, our priests, our ministers have been silent too long on this. And uh, it is absolutely atrocious that we don't stand up for the things that have made America the greatest nation, the freest nation on earth. Uh, and we are rapidly losing this. And if we don't stand up, let me tell you, when these freedoms are gone, we don't get them back. You can look at history and see that. Uh, it doesn't just come back. You've got freedom is not free. Uh, it has got to be fought for. And it's got, it doesn't pass on, as Reagan said, it doesn't pass on in the bloodstream. Uh, it's got to be fought for and stood up for and co- by courageous folks that believe in their, in their faith uh, and the man upstairs. Uh, because otherwise, as Reagan also said, one day you'll be telling from your rocking chair, telling your grandchildren what it was once like to be free. Mm. Well, Congressman uh, Babin on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line, Congresswoman Mary Miller from Illinois, Diana Harshberger from Tennessee, uh, among those starting this caucus. How many folks have uh, joined the caucus? You know what? I don't have a list in front of me, but this is something that everybody that believes in the in the unit, the family unit, is the foundational basis of our society should be signing on to this bill. Uh, signing, uh, in, you know, for membership into this caucus, and uh, I will, we can get back to you and let you know about that. But I, I think we've already got a number of folks uh, that have signed on, and uh, you know, we absolutely cannot afford to not stand up uh, for our, our 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 rights, our beliefs. The First Amendment to our, our to the Bill of Rights, the amendments to the Constitution, the very First Amendment was the right to freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, the freedom of expression, and that we cannot ever tolerate, even for one second, the loss of. And we are seeing it happening before our eyes, as we're seeing in some of our uh, some of our caucuses, uh, some of our rather our hearings that are going on now in judiciary and oversight. We know that the woke Democrats have been censoring anybody that they, that they don't agree with. They're trying to shut us down, and we're trying to hold them accountable, and we plan to do so. Well, I, I love this idea, and Congressman, anything we can do to help advance the, the agenda of the Congressional Family Caucus, you just let us know, and we'll be happy to do that. Well, you know, Todd, I have 17 grandchildren, and that is why I serve here in Washington, D.C. The last two years have not been pleasant, but we have we have hung on by our fingernails, and now we have a five-seat narrow majority, and we're already we're already seeing some great things happen for, for our safety, for our families, uh, pushing back against this radical woke agenda uh, for our kids' sake and our grandkids' sake. And that's what we're trying to do to preserve the greatest nation in the, in the history of our, of, our, of our entire planet. All right. Well, Congressman, thank you so much for uh, taking a few minutes to visit with us, and good luck. And you're right. We need lots of folks up on Capitol Hill to join this caucus, and uh, we're going to get you back on very soon. Thank you, sir. 
Todd, you keep up the good work because without a without an honest media, we wouldn't even be hearing about this type of thing. You've Thank got that you. right. Yes, sir. Glad to do it. All right, Congressman Brian Babin, uh, 36th Congressional District down in the great state of Texas. Folks, we got to take a break. Lines open, and we're going right to the lines. Open line Friday. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Just give us a call, 844-747-8868. That's 844-747-8868. Folks, everyone's talking about one place for news. It's Newsmax. Love it. Watch it all the time. Was on Newsmax yesterday. You need to watch Newsmax, too. The liberals, they hate Newsmax, and for good reason. It's becoming one of the most popular channels in America. Every night I watch Greta, Rob Schmidt, Eric Bowling, Greg Kelly. No surprise, Newsmax is already the fourth highest-rated cable news channel and growing fast. And you can get Newsmax on most cable systems. Just check your channel guide. If they don't carry Newsmax, well, switch to one that does. And remember, Newsmax is also free on streaming. Go to Samsung Plus, Roku, Zumo, Pluto, you name it, Apple, many other platforms. You can even download the free Newsmax app on your smartphone, and you can start watching now. Millions are making the switch to Newsmax, and I made the switch as well because Newsmax is real news for real people. All right, welcome back, everybody. Good to have you with us today. One of our callers couldn't hang on, but they they said, wait a second, wasn't it true that Kamala Harris came from a family of slaveholders? And that is, in fact, correct. Uh, Kamala Harris's father claims to be a descendant of a slave owner in Jamaica. In an article published by the Jamaica Globe, Professor Donald Harris wrote, My roots go back within my lifetime to my paternal grandmother, Miss Chrissy, a descendant of Hamilton Brown, who was on record as plantation and slave owner and founder of Brownstown, a town in Jamaica. According to Snopes, Brown owned at least 121 or 124 slaves in the 1800s. What I find interesting is all the fact checkers are trying to dispel all of this by claiming it lacks context. No, there's there's plenty of context here. Kamala Harris comes from a family of slave owners. And my question would be, would Kamala Harris, who was a former United States senator from California, would she be eligible for that reparation money? Just thinking about something here. All right, let's go to the phones, 844-747-8868. Jerry in Oregon on KYKN. Hi, Jerry, what's going on? Hey, Todd, how you doing this morning? Doing good, thank you. Well, interesting uh, conversation, as you generally have. Um, I have a question, though, and just throwing it out there. Um, you know, we've talked about several of your callers have mentioned um, – you know, the having any faith in our voting um, apparatus uh, as it is right now. I mean, and like you mentioned, you have the Russia hoax. Um, you have the, you know, all these other things, uh, the Twitter scenario that's going on right now, and all the other things the FBI is wrapped up into that they shouldn't be, and which means our government is wrapped up in they sh- what, the, what they shouldn't be. Okay. What? 
okay, so, and you have congressmen just like you had on, and, you know, he's mentioning, what, what do we do? I mean, what's the, I mean, we can vote, right? That's our only, that's our only apparatus for change. But what if you don't trust that? I mean, what, you follow what I'm saying? I mean, we talk about it, but what's the answer? Well, the answer is is finding out if in you know again finding out if in fact there was voter fraud, which I believe there was, then you've got to have the evidence. So that's the big problem, Jerry, is that in the last election cycle and the one before that, you know, the allegations of voter fraud, when they're brought before the courts, there's just not enough evidence. So I don't know what to tell you other than we've got to get out and do our due diligence and at least go and and vote. But again, if you're saying and again, if if you're, if you're saying for example, well President Trump won and 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 he lost, you know, because again of the voter fraud, then you have to immediately discount every other election that was held as being fraudulent. Well, that's what I'm saying is, is I mean, we we're in a situation as I mean, I I was in the military. I, I did my time. I paid taxes for 40 years. Um, I think my vote counts as much as the next person. Um, not anymore, but as much as. Um, and I, I, you, you're just losing faith in the system can't happen. And if it does happen, then you have a, a breakdown I mean, you allow what you're allowing to have happen is that somebody come in, and, I, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it could happen. Let's say Trump was a more military, uh, militaristic president, and he comes in and says, "You know what? The vote is fixed. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to give up the presidency because I don't believe it's real." And you're going to have half the people, or approximately half the people, supporting it. Oh yeah, no doubt about that. What I mean, do, you've got. Yeah, you've got look you've got a divided nation and that's a fair question to ask is what happens if the democrats pull something like this because we know we know they have hillary clinton refused to accept the outcome of the of the presidential election she still to this day believes that she won that election now what would have happened if she could have weaponized that i mean it's that's it's a legitimate question you raised jerry look i we've got to do a better job and and the president trump did not have the right people surrounding him. I mean, Sidney Powell and all of these wild allegations and accusations, even the president had to distance himself from her. You know, you've got to have the right people. You have to have good, solid people surrounding you. If you're going to make these allegations, you got to have rock solid proof to back it up. And if that's, and, and again, I hear what everyone's been saying about the, the election. I too believe that there was voter fraud, but I don't physically have the evidence. And I, I find it very hard to believe, Jerry, that, that it was a mass conspiracy that led all the way to the United States Supreme Court, as some are alleging. No, I thought I'm not, I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is, is do I believe the FBI and certain other agencies in the Department of Justice are acting on the behalf of all the people, for the people? And the answer to that question is no. And that's, I don't believe that. And now we're in a state of affairs where if you don't trust the people that are enforcing the laws, where are you going to go? 
and and that's a question every American is going to have to have to ask themselves, Jerry. Appreciate that call. Good, a lot of stuff to think about on that one, folks. 844-747-8868. That's our toll-free telephone number. That's 844-747-8868. By the way, you hear a lot of our guests on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. Now is a great time for you to consider making the switch to Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. And they have a plan to fit any budget for your family and also for your business. PatriotMobile.com slash Todd is the website. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Todd. Here's one of the reasons I love Patriot Mobile. They're out there supporting the Constitution. They're out there defending our freedom. And a portion of your money goes to fight for those causes. PatriotMobile.com slash Todd, folks. Check it out. All right. We'll be right back, America. This is the Todd Stern Show. From the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's America's conservative blowtorch. That's us. That's right. I love this American ride. Todd Starnes. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, happy Friday to you, America. Welcome to the Todd Starnes Radio Program. It is also Open Line Friday. So whatever you would like to talk about, we're going to be taking your calls today. 844-747-8868. That is a toll-free telephone number. That's 844-747-8868. A lot going on around the country. And, of course, the story that we broke, and uh, Fox did not give us credit for, but that's okay. Uh, the story we broke a few days ago about this Washington Elementary School District in Arizona now going to the courts. Our good friends over at Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, representing Arizona Christian University in this uh, really despicable case, um, a, a direct assault on religious liberty, in my estimation. Let's go to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. Ryan Tucker is Senior Counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. Ryan, good to have you with us today. Well, thank you, Todd. Great, great to be here. You know, it's I, I was watching the 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 audio or watching the meeting yesterday, and we played some of the audio in the first hour of the show from that school board meeting last night. It looks like the school district is doubling down here on on their decision. That's absolutely right. They uh, they met, you know, for the first time a couple of weeks ago and decided to kick out uh, Arizona Christian University uh, with its partnership with its student teacher program based solely on its religious beliefs about sexuality and gender. And you're right. Just yesterday, the school board met once again. This is after we'd already filed a lawsuit, and they doubled down. They they said they stood by their comments and even called the school bigoted during their meeting yesterday. Ryan, were you at that gathering? I was not at the gathering, but I was watching it in real time on the, their YouTube channel, and it was uh, it was quite the circus. Uh, what was it was just bizarre, and one of the school board members she had the cat ears. Um, the uh, the but they all seemed to be in in agreement. Uh, what I, what really struck me was the number of people outside and in that building that were actually supporting the school district. Well, that's absolutely right. I mean, there, there were quite a number of people that showed up uh, 
to the meeting itself. Uh, many had to, to stand in line just to be able to, to speak, and then they called them at random. And like you said, there were several individuals that showed up, some even that said, look, I don't have any faith, I don't have any religion at all, but what you did is discriminatory. And, and those people are absolutely right. The government can't treat people of faith worse than, than everyone else. These, these students shouldn't lose opportunities and be punished because of their religious beliefs. It's a blatant example of religious discrimination. The concern I have here is, okay, yes, yeah, so these are student teachers, but that's that's just a short jump away from saying, okay, we're not going to hire any Christians. So if you profess to follow Christ, you're not welcome to get a job here at the school district. Well, you know, that's right. I mean, one of the school board members accused teachers, uh, and really, frankly, Christians, of being, quote-unquote, not safe simply due to their Christian beliefs. And so you're right. I mean, they're student teachers. They're students right now at that, that university that had planned on coming back in the fall and uh, even pursuing their career there. Because this, this district, which, by the way, is the largest elementary school district in the entire state of Arizona. It's right next door to this, this school. And we've, we've heard from several teachers, Christian teachers, uh, that have attended Arizona Christian and elsewhere. And they thought, you know, am I, am I no longer welcome here? Is my job safe? And uh, those are valid questions based on those very discriminatory comments made by this board. Yeah, I'd be as I'd be asking those questions as well. You know, on top of all of that, from what we understand, there's already a teacher shortage. So this is really putting the squeeze on the school district at large. It, it really is. I mean, elementary school schools across the United States have already been struggling to employ enough teachers. And what's really sad here is that the administrators, the principals in this district, have been asking Arizona Christian to send more student teachers their way. And so this decision by the school board not only hurts Arizona Christian, uh, it hurts its students, it hurts its alumni, and, and those kids, those elementary school students, the school administrators who are, are, are begging dying just to get uh, other teachers to come in to help them out, it, it really punishes them. And it's, it's quite unfortunate, and it's unconstitutional. So, so you guys have filed a lawsuit. Uh, what is the next step here? Well, we, we filed the lawsuit and uh, served them uh, just yesterday. And so the next step is to uh, file a motion, ask the court uh, via request to enjoin the, the school district from its continuing unconstitutional actions and to ask the court to, in essence, reinstate this partnership that's been great for both sides for the last decade. Well, uh, let's hope the courts are going. I mean, it seems to me a slam dunk case here, and I, I hope the state lawmakers can get involved and put the uh, put the squeeze on these school board members. Well, we certainly heard from uh, not just legislators in, in, in the state itself, but I think nationwide, uh, anybody that hears this story is, is just dumbfounded. They're shocked uh, by the actions of the school. And so, you know, we're hopeful um, that uh, – that the school board you know, still has an opportunity. I thought they were going to possibly reverse themselves uh, last night, but that wasn't the case. But there's still opportunity for them to correct this blatant wrong, and if not, um, we'll continue in the court to uh, to justify um, the the actions of the university and uh, to protect the, the students that it serves. All right. Well, Ryan, uh, well, look, keep us updated. Whatever we need to do, we're happy to help out here, and uh, we're happy to be the megaphone to get this story out so people – uh, can stay involved. 
we'll be sure to appreciate that, Todd, and you know, to you know, continue getting updates. They can go to the ADF website, adflegal.org. We'll be updating that uh, with the latest uh, on the case. All right. Ryan Tucker, ladies and gentlemen, with Alliance Defending Freedom. They're doing incredible work for our country and protecting our freedoms. Ryan, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. All right. Can, can we talk about Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin for just a few moments here? And, and I'm going to have to rely on our Virginia listeners to, to help me through this. So Youngkin held a town hall on CNN yesterday, and a lot of people are wondering why. It has certainly caused my eyebrows to be raised, and I do wonder if Youngkin may be about to dip his toe in the presidential waters. Could be, I'm not sure, but based on the 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 town hall and how Youngkin conducted himself, I'm not sure he's ready for the big stage just yet. So Youngkin was um, going toe-to-toe with Jake Tapper, and at one point, a, a, a member of the studio audience, a girl who thinks she's a boy, asked Youngkin a question, and Youngkin came out and affirmed that there need to be transgender bathrooms in public schools. Take a listen to Cut 8. So, Governor, I want you. I want to bring in Nico, a 17-year-old student from Arlington. Nico? Uh, Governor Youngkin, your transgender model policies require that students play on the sports teams and use the restrooms that correspond with their sex assigned at birth. Look at me. I am a transgender man. Do you really think that the girls in my high school would feel comfortable sharing a restroom with me? Yep. So, first of all, Nico, thank you for, again, asking the question, being here tonight, and uh, engaging in this important discussion. I believe, first, when parents are engaged with their children, then you can make good decisions together. And I met your dad, and I'm glad that you're both here together. That's really, really important. I also think that there are lots of students involved in this decision. And what's, what's most important is that we try very hard to accommodate students. That's why I have said many, many times, we just need extra bathrooms in schools. We need gender-neutral bathrooms, and so people can use a bathroom that they, in fact, are comfortable with. I think sports are very clear, and I don't think it's controversial. I don't think that biological boys should be playing sports with biological girls. Uh, There's been decades of efforts in order to gain opportunities for women in sports, and it's just not fair. Um, And I think that's that's, that's non-controversial and something that I think is is pretty well understood. Um, Again... I think these are very difficult discussions, and I am very, very glad to see you and your dad here together. So it was interesting to see the divide on, and we've got some more audio we're going to play here, but it was interesting to see the divide among conservatives and establishments on social media. Establishment Republicans were literally calling Glenn Youngkin Ronald Reagan, and the conservatives were saying, "Uh, yeah, this is not going to be good. Here is Youngkin talking about the importance of teaching slavery in in public schools in the Commonwealth. Cut 21. In recent years, there's been a lot of debate regarding the teaching of CRT in public schools. As a social studies teacher, I find it imperative to teach history through facts and the perspectives of the people involved in a historical event. Governor Youngkin, what is your view on the difference between teaching CRT in the classroom and the teaching of historical injustices such as slavery and segregation and the impact this had on Americans. Yeah, 
thank you for that great question. Thanks for coming all the way uh, to be with us tonight. And, and again, thank you for being a teacher. And again, the role that teachers play in our kids' lives is invaluable. And for anyone watching tonight who might be inspired to be a teacher, come be a teacher in Virginia. Uh, teaching our history is critical. And I have said all along that our, our standard should be to teach all of it, the good and the bad. And we can't walk away from our history because there have been just incredibly, incredibly difficult, challenging, dark times in our history as a commonwealth and as a nation. And that's why when, when I laid out my key objectives for our history standards, it was doing exactly that, teaching all of our history, the good and the bad. I'm pleased with our history standards because I think they will be the best in the nation. We, in fact, enhanced the discussion of slavery and made sure that everyone understood for the first time in Virginia history standards that the cause of the Civil War was slavery. And the, and the teaching of that basic fact is critical. You know, recently, I had the great privilege of going on a field trip with fourth graders from Mary S. Peak Elementary Okay, School. all right, that's enough. That's enough. And thank you, thank you, thank you. So look, I, I want to I stop there because Youngkin said, matter-of-factly, that the, the reason for the Civil War was slavery. That is incorrect. The Civil War began... The Civil War began as a result of states' rights. Slavery was a massive part of that, but this was not this was not the specific reason. Now hear me again. It was this was slavery was a massive part of it, but for but for the governor to come out there and say that the Civil War was fought solely because of slavery is simply not true. So I don't know. Does he sound like Ronald Reagan to you, ladies and gentlemen? Am I missing something here? I know this is the first time he's out there on the big stage, but instead of going on Fox News for a town hall, he picked CNN with Jake Tapper. That's a little puzzling, if you ask me. So I'm curious uh, to get your thoughts on this. 844-747-8868. Is Glenn Youngkin the next Ronald Reagan? That's 844-747-8868. This is the Todd Stern Show. All right, let's get right to the phones on this open line Friday. Whatever you want to talk about, we're going to talk about today. 844-747-8868. Let's go to Frank in Georgia, WDUN, our great affiliate there. Hi, Frank. What's on your mind? Hey, Todd. As usual, I'm enjoying your show. Thank you. I'd like to talk about the Arizona school deal. Uh, I'm considerably older than you, and I can remember back when they were fighting the battle for the Bible in the schools, creation, evolution, and all that sort of thing. And I just have a memory in my little brain up here that there was a Supreme Court ruling that said that secular humanism was a religion. Am I wrong on that, or do you know anything about that? You know, I, I'm going to have to look that one up, Frank. I haven't heard about that, if it, but I think it is a religion, even if the Supreme Court doesn't say it is. Yeah, well, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, I don't know why I just pulled this out of my brain, but I think it there was a ruling. I think it was a Supreme Court 
that it was a, a declared a religion. Now that goes back a ways, but I just thought I'd throw that into the mix. Well, no, it uh, and this goes back. This goes back a ways, but the we're talking about atheist and secular humanist protected by the First Amendment, um, and a federal court decision held that secular humanist prisoners. This was a court case are entitled to organize discussion groups just like it would be a Bible study uh, under the um, under the provisions of the Establishment Clause. Uh, the Supreme Court in a 1961 case briefly referred to secular humanism as a religion. Yes, but they did. that wasn't the, the uh, emphasis of the case, though, I guess, right? That's they right. They made that statement in their opinion? That's right. Okay, well... I, I thought I had remembered that correctly. Anyway, times have changed. Yes, they have, Frank. I remember when I was a kid, when and I went to, uh, I started grade school in the 1970s, and I remember the Gideons would come to our school once a year, and they would give kids those pocket Bibles. Those little, I remember I have a green a green pocket Bible from the Gideons, and I don't think they yeah. allowed the Gideons inside the school buildings nowadays. Well, when I was in school, the Coca-Cola company would come in and give you a ruler and a little Coca-Cola bottle you could blow into and make a whistle out of it. Oh, that's nice. And on the re- and on the ruler, it had uh, John 3.16 on it. Wow. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I, I said I'd go back away, so that was my memory. The good old the good old days, Frank. <laughs> yeah, that was the good old days. So All right. You use that ruler to hit you on the wrist. Oh, geez, a little. All right. That's, well, that's unfortunate. Frank, you be good out there, and thank you for listening. Thanks for calling in. Let's go to Frank in North Carolina. Hi, Frank. What's on your mind? Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. I have just one question. I have just one question. I'm concerned about Joe Biden's newest executive order concerning digital currency for the 1,200 banks that's about to go strictly digital. Uh that kind of concerns me on the fact that the government will know what I bought, where I bought it, how much I paid for it, who I sold it to, or who I even give it to. I, I, the only place I hear anything about this new digital currency is through Newsmax. I don't hear it through any, any other news organizations other than Newsmax, and it's got me highly concerned. I'm listening to a lot of other younger people to say, well, I use my phone to pay for it anyway. But that's a whole different animal. But anyway, I'm just curious how many other people out there even know this executive order has been passed into law. It's going to come into effect. Uh, well, this was an this Frank, Frank, this was an executive order, I believe, last year um, or year before yeah. last uh, that Biden enacted. It's it's not going to have the impact we think it is. I don't think we're we're moving away from a cashless society just yet. But look, I got I do have problems even with credit cards, you know, because they can the government can come in and they can discover what you've been spending your money on. We've uh, some of the credit card companies now say that uh, they would be willing to treat gun, you know, a gun purchase or an ammo purchase uh, a different way. Turn over that information as well so you're right to be concerned but i don't think we're there just yet i don't think we're at the panic stage frank gotta run we are super late for a break folks hang tight this is the todd stern show
All right. Well, Wall Street is spooked today. If you got a 401k, just don't even pay attention to it. Just let it go. Uh, spooked over this big bank collapsing out in uh, California, the Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, so we'll, we're going to get into more of that on Monday's show. But uh, now the big question is whether or not the American taxpayers are going to have to step in and bail this bank out. Unbelievable. Uh, by the way, folks, again, if you would like information on joining us in the fall, we're taking a large group of our listeners to the Holy Land. It's going to be a wonderful trip, and we'd love for you to join us. If the whole family can come, or if it's just you or you and your spouse, we would love to have you join us. You can go to ToddSterns.com and get more information on that, ToddSterns.com. We talk a lot about education and alternatives to the public school education. And one of those alternatives is a classical education. Now, to help us understand exactly what that is all about, uh, Philip Schwenk is serving as the vice president of schools for American classical education in Tennessee. Philip is on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line, and good to have you with us today. Thanks for having us, Todd. Appreciate it. Sure. Well, let's let's just do a deep dive here into what a classical education looks like. What is that? Sure. Well, what I always start with is it, it, it sounds new to us today, but it really isn't. It's a, an education that's been around for, you know, hundreds of years. When we think of our founding fathers and their education, it was a classical education, and you don't even have to go that far back. Uh, you're like 60, 70 plus, many of, of Americans had a classical education. Um, but it's basically based on what we call the great conversation, that there have been big questions that we've had for centuries, and it's getting kids to be part of that. Um, so it's like very high in literacy and literature, uh, teaching kids uh, to be rhetorically sound and logical and good and compassionate. Uh, and it's it's really just about uh, creating both a learned person, but also a, a good person. Um, so, yeah, it, it seems kind of new today, I guess, uh, because we really want the parents to be strongly involved and we see them as the primary educator. Uh, and we see ourselves as supplementing that work. Is it safe to uh, say that's yeah, been? No, it, is it safe to say that's been one of the issues with public education? Is that maybe moms and dads have not been that involved? Uh, that is part of it. Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, obviously, I think in an ideal world, uh, mom and dad uh, would be the first educator for any child, and that the schools would supplement that work. Um, so yes, I mean, obviously, more parent involvement is always good. All right, so are, are we talking, so let's just say you've got a, a family listening to us, and they're intrigued by this idea of a classic, of, of classical education. Where would they go? What would they need to do to get their kid plugged into something like that? Is this homeschool? Is this a charter school? How, how does it work? So what we're working on is what are called charter schools. So it's a public charter. Um, so what we're currently doing right now, our work is in Tennessee. We're, we're trying to start uh, classical public charter schools in five counties in Tennessee, uh, a place a parent could go if they're in this area, they could look is AmericanClassicalSchools.com. Uh, they could actually just go online and look us up or just put American Classical Education in and you would uh, be able to, to find this as well. Uh, there are schools throughout the country that are, are, charter, are both charter or classical. I think what uni- is unique to our group is that it's a public charter. So it's meant to be anybody that's a, in the community that we're setting up this school and have their kids come free of cost and have access to a classical school. Um, so a, a charter school, by definition, is something that's formed in the community. That community decides that they want to have an option uh, with the other schools that are there in that community 
Uh, in this case, they're looking for a public classical education. So, yeah, if you just look us up, AmericanClassicalSchools.com, you can actually start looking into the work that we're right. doing. Right, but for for the point of the conversation we're having, you know, we we want people to know it, yet they can certainly go to the website. But, you know, we want to, you know, they want to hear from you. And I'm curious what you are hearing from, you know, parents and teachers and the community at large. Oh, there's a huge demand. Um, in fact, uh, we put in five applications in five different counties here in Tennessee, and there was over over 500 letters of support for those schools. Uh, we have over 7,000 uh, as far as online connections to families. Uh, we're hoping to start these schools K-5, 340 students. We don't have any doubts uh, that they'll be filled. Uh, the way that these schools work is because they're public schools, uh, the first come, first serve until there's more kids than seats, and then we get what is called a, a lottery. Uh, but, yeah, no, there's a huge demand. In fact, I think that's why we were invited into Tennessee to, to start these schools is because many families here would like to have an option. So, and, and, and what does that option look like? What you, why do they desire a, a, a classical education? Well, I think because what it focuses on, um, there, there's a couple things. Uh, like I said, we, we really want them to be rhetorically and literate. We want them to be sound thinkers. Uh, but we also focus a lot on this idea of being good. So really, at the end of the day, which I think most parents want, is they want their kids to be good. So part of a classical education is not only learning how to read, write, and be numerically sound, but also to be good. And so we talk about things like the virtues. So we talk about what it means to be courage, to be courageous, or to be prudent, or to be moderate, or to be friendly, or to be wise. Things that we've talked about for you know thousands of years, but getting kids to think about that and how they can work on that in their own life. Uh, and as an American uh, classical school, we think that's important because we have a, a, a dem- democratic republic that was set up on that idea. I mean, the original founding fathers thought for this to work, the people that participated in it had to be good and they had to be learned. Um, so it's really pushing towards that. Um, the nice thing that a lot of parents like about what we're doing as well is our curriculum is in what's called a program guide. And I can basically give that, that, that program guide to a parent to look at and they can see exactly what their kids are learning. Uh, so they can see if they align up with it or don't. they don't. But the idea is that there's a transparency that allows these children to, and parents to see what they're going to be learning. Um, so our, our hope is, is that our kids that come out are free thinkers, and uh, this is, allows them to think openly about words and their meaning and stories and their meanings. And a lot of parents like that, this idea that there's something to be interpreted and understood in history, uh, in our world, and that we're part of a larger conversation. Most parents find that very attractive. Uh, the other piece of classical schools that's attractive is this idea of order and decorum. Uh, we take our schooling seriously, and so the environments that we set up are rigorous, so there's a struggle there, but it's a wonderful and joyous struggle. So there's an order that a lot of parents like as well. AmericanClassicalSchools.com is the website, uh, folks, AmericanClassicalSchools.com. Philip, I'm I'm curious. Um, the you know looking post you know post high school post graduation, uh, how are how are classical students faring in the in in the collegiate in that uh, higher education world? Well, they generally do very well. Uh, what's interesting about our work is, like I said, we we really want to focus on these kids being good kids, but they become very learned. So we're not trying to tell them, hey, we're going to make you a lawyer, we're going to make you a teacher, we're going to make you a plumber. We just want you to be learned and good and have choices. But those who choose to go off to college do very well. Uh, in fact, a, a significant majority of kids that go into classical instruction go off to college. Uh, and because of the rigor of our work, uh, they do much better. And it's not just about learning how to read, write, and be numerically sound. Like They learn things like Latin, for example. And Latin really takes apart language and makes you have to think about language in our own language, especially the English language that 
here in the United States that we, we primarily speak. Um, so, yeah, our students do generally very well. I mean, to be frank, many kids that come from these spaces uh, don't find their college experiences sometimes as rigorous as their K-12 was. To wow. Be, to be upfront about that. Well, that's pretty yeah, impressive. No, it's a very rigorous. It's but you, fun to watch. You go to college and you're like, piece of cake. Nothing to, <laughs> nothing to see here. I've, I've, yeah, we, I have heard that a couple We times. did this in fourth grade. What's the deal? What's going on here? <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to say that, but there is some sad reality to that. Oh. I, I think one of the things that we've lost sight about kids is how much they can do and how young, young they can do that. Wow. I mean, the, the bright minds of young people. All right, uh, folks, AmericanClassicalSchools.com. Check this out. Grandmas, grandpas out there, check that out, too, AmericanClassicalSchools.com. Well, Phil, we wish you the very best of luck as you guys continue to grow. This is very exciting. More than 7,000 families have already reached out. Uh, so that that tells me there is a huge, huge need, and that's just in Tennessee. So uh, a lot of people are very excited about what you guys are doing. Well, thank you, Todd. I appreciate your time. All right, Philip Schwenk, ladies and gentlemen, Vice President of Schools for American Classical Education in Tennessee, and he previously served as an administrator and history teacher at a number of schools in Los Angeles, Cleveland, and Toledo. All right, we've got to take a quick break here, folks. 844-747-8868, open line Friday. That's 844-747-8868. This is the Todd Stern Show. All right, just received a note from one of our great listeners here in the Memphis area. Memphis has a great classical Christian school, Westminster Academy. Says uh, his three children graduated from there. And our good friend Vicki says, Todd, my friend uh, Kathy is one of the administrators over at Immaculate Conception Elementary, which is a Catholic school, and they are doing classical education. I just went back to it, um, and I I love that. I think that's great. Um, again, if if you've been through, if maybe you've got a child or you have personally been through classical education, give us a call. We'd like to hear from you. 844-747-8868. Let's go to Candy listening to us in Virginia. Hi, Candy. What's on your mind today? Hi, Todd. I just sort of wanted to weigh in on this whole school issue in what is happening to our children as a result of some of this progressive education. I have a story to share, but it is not my story, so I have to be careful about names and locations. But it's a very important story. Um, I have a friend who had uh, an injury, and she has custody, guardianship of her granddaughter. So she allowed her granddaughter to go to Florida to be with her father and finish the school year up. So, and then she was going to come back in the spring. Now, before the little girl left, she's 12 years old, an adorable child, happy, well-adjusted, had a little crush on a boy in school, so she had a little boyfriend. Everything was normal, well-adjusted child. She sends her to Florida, and six weeks after she sends her to Florida, the little girl calls her and tells her that um, she was having a little bit of problem, but now things are better because she got two girls that liked each other together, and there's a girl that likes her. And this now has become the norm in the new school that this little girl goes to, that they're taught that 
you know, it, it's okay for you to like another girl or two boys to like another boy. But yet she was a well-adjusted little girl who had a crush on a little boy before she left. They're still targeting our children, and this is still wrong. Yeah, this has been going on covertly for quite some time, Candy, um, and it's really it's so devious. And it, it initially started with uh, with boys before moving on to girls, and there was a, there was a big movement afoot to try and convince boys that you know close boy friendships really aren't friendships; they're romantic in nature, and it's just it's appalling uh, that that they're treating something so innocent uh, as something sexual. And it's, I was livid when I found out about this because this little girl was just a well-adjusted, normal, 12-year-old little girl who had a crush on another little boy in school. And now she's been taught to believe, oh, well, you, you can't have a crush on a little boy at school. You should be having a crush on another little girl at school. That's what you should be doing. And so now she's thinking that that's the norm. It, it, it's normal, you know, because here's an authority figure who's telling me that I should live my life being attracted to little girls. Well, that's coming from an authority figure that's educating me. So, well, therefore, they, they must be right. So now it, it's okay, and I should be liking little girls. So I'm just livid over this because I just adored this little child, and her grandmother is livid over it as well. But this is still going on, and I think that parents... I, I was under the impression that DeSantis had signed some sort of legislation that prohibited this in schools, but evidently not, because it just happened to this little girl that I know. Well, it, yeah, and if not, there needs to be something, at least some rule on the books within the school district that uh, this sort of grooming behavior is, is, is not allowed. And what, a, what a crazy story. Candy, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And again, folks, it just goes to show you that the indoctrination, it continues. 844-747-8868. That's our toll-free telephone number. That's 844-747-8868. I want to play this clip from Piers Morgan on gender identity. Cut number 12, please. Okay, why can't I identify as a black lesbian? <laughs> well, firstly, I mean... It was well, I'm serious. Hurt. I'm serious. If I can identify as anything mm-hmm. without any need to prove I'm actually what that is... I, I Why can't I, on International Women's Day, say I'm Piers Morgan, I'm a black lesbian? I think taking it to a kind of absurd no, no. status. I think, where I think we're that's what. With respect, I think that you've already opened the absurdity door by saying it is limitless. You can do what you like. Anyone can say, I'm a woman. So I simply ask you, why can't I? I mean, this point kind of ridicules trans people to an extent. Actually, I think, I think what you said ridicules trans people because actually people who, who go through the full process of transition who actually go through what we used to call a sex change, which I don't think you can muck around with original biology, but those who actually go through surgical procedure over a number of years, I've got great respect for that very difficult journey they go on. I had zero respect for people who just wallop their hand up and go suddenly, I'm a woman and I want all the rights that a woman has and I want to compete, say, in sport. I'm a six-foot-four-inch athlete, sprinter, swimmer, whatever, who's competed very mediocrely in male sport, I now want to come in and crush women in swimming pools and in sprinting events and break all their records, perhaps irrevocably, just by saying, I'm a woman. I think that is the absurdity you were talking about. My response was to say, well, if it's limitless, why can't I then say whatever I want to say? And you say immediately, as I knew you would, well, that's ridiculous. 
But my point is, you were being ridiculous. Mm-hmm. All right, Piers Morgan. Preach, my friend. Preach. Let's go to the phones. Ernie in North Carolina wants to talk about classical education. Hi, Ernie. So what do you know about classical education? I know a lot about it, Todd. I'm almost 78 years old, and I didn't ne- never considered what I was getting was a classical education, but I did. I, I went to Catholic school. Uh, first grade through through eighth grade, and I didn't realize it at the time that what 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 was what was taught to me is what I needed. Yeah, there are certain there are certain things that when you're when you're a young guy like I was, and, and I was rather incorrigible, not not the best behaved kid, and God bless those sisters, they. They kept me straight. Well, and that's but what we, we need. That's what we need in public schools now. We need we need like the, those nuns uh, keeping everybody on the straight and narrow, Ernie. That's what we need. It was it was uh, at at those back in those days. It was a little different. Uh, I had several nuns that taught my father, and as far as they they were concerned, I could never ever meet his standards. You know, because that's that's the way it was. You're you're never as good as your as, as as your dad. However, I went to public school, and it was back in the day when there was these were World War II guys. The male male teachers were World War II guys, and they were tough, and they they didn't take any guff from anybody. And you you were what you learned was reading, writing, arithmetic, English. Uh, history and some civics. Wish I wish I emphasized civics a little more, but however, and that's it, Ernie. I and that's all you need. And that is all you need. And early, I hate to do this, but we got to wrap up. Uh, but I appreciate you calling. And again, it's getting back to the basics. That's what a classic education is all about, and that's what we need uh, here in this country. All right, folks, been a lot of fun this week. By the way, we've got all sorts of great material for you to check out at toddsterns.com. You can also check out our podcast. If you missed a show, you can go back and listen to it as well. All right, I want to thank Dylan and Josh, folks, Grace Baker in Chicago. It's been a fun day. You get out there, have a great Friday, and be sure to go to church this weekend. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.